You're listening to Crosspoint Community Church in LaGrange, Texas podcast. To learn more about Crosspoint Community Church, including service times and how you can connect, please visit crosspointchurchtx.org. Well, good morning. Glad y'all are here. Well, hey, recently we did this thing together collectively called the Long Pause. All right, and all of us around the world on our DVR recording of life, pause was pushed and we were forced to just kind of stop and to be with ourselves. And in the midst of that long pause, several things that were already happening sped up. People are telling us 10 to 20 years, things have sped up to that speed, whether that's um, remote work or different kinds of stuff has moved forward. And one of those areas is anxiety, depression, and loneliness as well. And so that even today, now, even after we've pushed play on the DVR and we're back to life, even though it doesn't feel like the same show that we were in before, it's a new show, it's a new normal, things are moving forward and we're trying to figure out what that is. And in the midst of that, more than 60% of Americans still feel like that they are lonely and continue to be lonely on a regular basis. And that whenever loneliness used to be something that we would think of, hey, that's an older person's problem, um, so to speak, is that as, as their world kind of shrinks down, that they become lonely. It's now a problem and an issue for every single age, no matter what generation you're in, X, Z, Numa, I don't even know all of them anymore. But all the different ages and generations that they are, that we are all struggling with loneliness. And so why does that matter that we're struggling with loneliness? And so today I want us to dig into, we're continuing our series called Bless, and we're going to dig into this idea called serving. Have you ever heard of it? Awesome. It's a simple thing, and it's one of these things that's actually one of the basic things that we are supposed to do. It's an outflow of our relationship with Jesus. And so whenever you say yes to Jesus, you're saying yes to being a student of the person and ways and life and teachings of Jesus. And that what you're saying is that you're going to sit at his feet and soak up his teaching and the way that he does life. And that you're going to imitate his life in such a way that even the way that he eats and drinks, you're going to study that and begin to imitate him. So that wherever you go and whatever you do, people begin to say, hey, you're a student of Rabbi Jesus. And that, that you are so influenced in his life and his teaching and the way that he is, that he has saturated your life and such that there's no other way than for him to come out. And so that is one of the things, serving is one of the main things that should come out of us as students of Jesus because he was about not himself but everyone else. And I know that's hard for us because most of the time the world is about us and you just get to live in our world. And Jesus says it's actually supposed to be the opposite for us as Christians. One of the major teachings for us is to be and act like Jesus is to love our neighbor, right? To serve those around us. So to sit at the feet of Jesus and to be a disciple of him means that we get outside of ourselves and to serve others. And over these last few weeks, as we've been talking about bless, we've actually, what we've been talking about is what does it look like to be an active, dynamic follower of Jesus? And what are some of the basic habits, basic things that should be a part of our life that impact us and move us more toward Christ and loving our neighbor? And the first thing is literally to begin with prayer, to begin to have a conversation, an ongoing, regular conversation with God. Then in the midst of that conversation with God, 
pausing long enough on our request to listen to him, which means that's the relationship piece, is to listen to the other side. And then as part of that, as we begin to pray, and we begin to, to listen to him, in those moments where he says to us, invite other people into your life, that we invite them into our life and we begin to do life with other people. And that that's a big part of us doing life and not being lonely is inviting people in. And I know that that's one of the hard things, it's transitions I've talked to people as we've come out of this long pause is the new normal has been we've cut so many things out of our life and so many people out of our life, it's been hard to re-engage. And so one of the things I want you to grasp as followers of Jesus is there's this moment that some people say coincidence. I like to call them divine appointments where God moves us to invite people into our life, to have coffee, to have a meal, to just say, hey, to ask how you're doing. And we have those moments. And so many times we don't follow through on that because we're afraid we'll offend them. We're afraid they'll say yes or they're afraid they'll say no, or whatever it is, and we stay away from some of those conversations and divine appointments that God has for us. And then as we begin to listen and invite people in, then we begin to serve other people, to meet people where they're at for the sole purpose of pointing them to Jesus, because Jesus is the answer to all of our issues, all of our problems, all the things that we're struggling with, and also for our neighbors. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus, who... If anyone should have been served, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords could have easily sat at every table at the table's seat of honor and said, serve me. This is what he said. The Son of Man, Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So that's a part of our call as followers of Jesus, as disciples of his we are to not to be served, but to serve others to the point of giving away our life. An extravagant giving of our life, our finances, the T3, time, talents, and treasures to extravagantly give those away because we sit at the feet of our, of our rabbi, Jesus. So the question I want to ask you this morning is, what is your credit score? Some of you are like, oh, no, I didn't know I was going to get my finances checked. I'm not talking about your financial credit score, but listen, I mean, there's a finance credit score that, hey, if you have this, you're more likely to get a loan than if you have this, right? We've all been there. And so unless you're Dave Ramsey and he says don't have a credit score, but have a credit score. And what it tells you is where you find your worth and value and identity to the finance world. Well, here, throughout cultures, cultures have always had a credit score. How you find your identity and how you determine your value and your worth. Jesus flipped the credit score upside down. He said the one that had come that everyone would think should be served is the one that came to serve. The one at the head of the table is the lead servant. So here Jesus in John chapter 13, it's the Passover meal. It's the last meal that he has with his disciples before he goes to the cross. And so as he's having this Passover meal with his disciples, everyone's gathered around the table and they're about to eat a very important meal. And in those days, whenever you gathered to have a meal, one of the things that was an important part pre-meal preparation wasn't appetizers, but was wash your feet time. Because think about it, most of the people did not have shoes. And so they're walking barefoot on dusty roads, on nasty roads that had 
all kinds of fun things from animals and even people that were along the road. And so their feet were moving and grooving and going through all that different stuff. And so here they come to sit down to eat. And in their day, they didn't sit down at tables and push their feet underneath the table. Their feet were actually prime real estate right next to your bowl of ramen. So you're laying down, you're kind of got a little square pillow and you lay across that pillow, you got that and your ramen's there. And the next thing you know, you look over there to grab the hot sauce for your ramen and there's your brother or sister's feet. And you hoped that the servant had washed their feet whenever they came in before they sat down to dine with you. Because if not, you may not be eating that night because of that. You want the aroma of the room to change before you sit down to your ramen. And so that person that would wash the feet in the house was actually the lowest of the lowest slaves or servants. It was an important task that had to be done, but it was a nasty task. So it was the lowest person on the totem pole, the social totem pole that got to do that. And so this is interesting. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 3, it says this. Jesus knew that the father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. In other words, he knew his exclusive, unique place in the order. God the Father, God the Son is Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. And so if anyone was receiving honor or should receive honor, it is Jesus himself as the Son of Man. He knew his place. But, look at verse 4. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, and wrapped the towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. Then he began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had around him. So think about this. The disciples knew that the lowest person on the totem pole should be washing feet. And here, just a few chapters before, Peter had said, hey, you are the Messiah. So now the Messiah is washing their feet. And in Jesus' culture, in Jesus' day, there was an honor-shame culture. So the higher you were in culture, the higher your credit score, the more honor you were to receive. And so here's the one with the highest credit score possible, and he's washing feet. Jesus knew his place, his credit score, but he flipped it upside down. And so his disciples are, I'm sure, confused. Like, hey, Jesus, you're the last person that should be washing feet. When, Peter, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Peter said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Now, Peter's someone who was boisterous, and he would just kind of shout stuff off the cuff. So I imagine he was like, hey, this isn't going to happen, right? And Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested. You will never, ever, 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 ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, Unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. So Simon Peter, being an all-in guy, says, don't just wash my feet. Wash my hands, wash my head as well. Literally just pour the bucket over me because I'm all in. Which is a great place to be. And then Jesus replied to him, a person who has bathed all over does not need to wash. And I'm so glad that you did that before you came today. We appreciate that. You get to sit close to people. You need to wash, except for the feet, to be entirely clean. And you disciples are clean, but not all of you. For Jesus knew he would betray him. We know Judas. We look back. This is what was meant when he said, not all of you are clean. 
So after washing their feet, he put on his robe again and sat down and asked, Do you understand what I was doing? And you call me teacher and Lord. And again, so think about it. So he's had this place where he's like, hey, listen, the son of man, the one who sits on the throne next to God, the father, that authority. But even now he's bringing it down to his disciples say, listen, now you call me teacher and Lord. You don't even understand this authority and power that I have here. So I'm just going to remind you as teacher and Lord, as your rabbi, as your Lord, you are right. So he's reminding of that. So here I am in this place of authority because I am that. What's he say? And since I'm your teacher and Lord, since I've washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet too. So today I have a bowl of water and before you leave, you're going to randomly, no, we're not. Everybody's like, I'm going to sneak out. It's an idea of out serving one another, of listening to the needs of our brothers and sisters, listening to the needs of our neighbors and saying, what can I do? To wash your feet. What can I do to serve you? Because if our credit score for all of us is zero before Christ, in Christ, we have a full capacity credit score, but it's actually his credit score, not mine. I didn't earn it. It's his. He's given me his credit score. So now as I look around, everyone has the same credit score. I am to serve them as my rabbi served me. Everyone's credit score is equal, so serve each other is what Jesus is saying. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who needs the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. The blessing is in serving. And this is weird upside down God math, that God's economy is radically different than our economy. And, and what I see time and time again is when I take people on mission trips or people come back from mission trips, they're like, I thought I went to bless them, whoever them was, but I was so much more blessed by them. Because I could see, especially if you go to a place where there's some poverty, and you're like, hey, listen, I was watching kids play on a garbage dump, and they had joy like I've never seen other people have. And the reason that they have joy is they don't even understand that, that, that this is the lowest of the lowest places, but they have Jesus. And so their joy amidst their circumstances, listen, I have Jesus. I don't have anything else, but at least I have him. And there's a joy that comes from them. And for us, we're like, we can't get over the stench. And Jesus says, serve. And your American mindset credit score, they're not as good as you. Jesus says, I don't check those credit scores. And so for us, the blessing is, and even some pastors will teach that, hey, the blessing comes back in money. Maybe, probably not. The blessing is in serving someone and just seeing God do what God does. Not only in them, but seemingly most often even in us. That the very things that give you worth and value and identity as an American get stripped away 
when you're in the midst of other place, people's, what we would think is mess, but they're still having joy. And you're saying, hey, maybe I don't need, maybe I don't really have to have. Because all of those things, as scripture tells us, all those things actually own us. When the blessing is to bless others. Jesus flipped the credit score and he washed feet. So how does this work in real life? And listen, I will be honest with you. So many times we like applause. So even in the good things that we do, there's still this inkling of a motivation for some applause. We want to be recognized. Even in our doing good, that happens. But here's what Jesus talks about, how we can live out this this mindset, this attitude, this action of serving around us. In Mark chapter 7, Jesus left the town of Tyre. And they went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Ten Towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him. So the first thing I want you to see is here's Jesus. And people knew of Jesus. They knew what he could possibly do because the stories have been getting around. And so their friends bring their friend to Jesus. And so they get in close proximity. So here Jesus has the power of proximity of being around someone. So in your day... There are going to be, this coming week, there are going to be what I call divine appointments where someone's going to be in close proximity to to you that you can bring them to Jesus. Okay? And so a deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him, and the people begged Jesus to lay his hands on the man to heal him. So again, they're they're bringing him. They're like, hey, Jesus is the only one that can solve this guy's problem. We've done all the different stuff, so let's bring him to Jesus. And so then Jesus leads him away from the crowd. For see, the crowd wanted to see the miracle. But Jesus understands, here's a deaf man who cannot speak well. And so you can imagine, if you have ever mispronounced something or said something, what do people's response to you is they laugh, they mock you. And so imagine this man, every time he tries to talk, people mock him. And so they're bringing him in front of Jesus. And so even in the midst of their motivation, maybe for healing, Jesus says, hey, this guy's in proximity to me. I'm going to personally deal with this. And so he brings him away for compassion and hears him and asks him, hey, what, what do you want? The guy says, hey, I want to be healed. And so Jesus puts this as weird, okay? This is some of those weird Jesus things that I don't get, but he did it. He puts his fingers in the man's ears. So it's kind of like a Mork and Mindy moment. Like, nanu, nanu. I don't know. Like, sticking him in there. Sorry, that's an old TV show, young people. And he sticks his fingers in his ears. And then he spits on his fingers and touches the man's tongue. Next time you go to your doctor, if your doctor does this, I don't know. So he does that, and then he spits, and he rubs it on there. And here's what I think. Why? Is because Jesus is not a magician. And one of the powerful things as we look throughout Jesus' miracles, especially the physical healings, most of the time he touched the person. So if they were a leper, he touched them. So there was an emotional healing. People were saying, whoa, 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 that person's unclean. Rabbi, you can't touch unclean things. And Jesus reaches out and touched the leper. So can you imagine if you haven't been touched in years? As a matter of fact, people clear the street for you and go, leper, leper, leper. Which sounds ridiculous, but that is what they would do. 
And now all of a sudden Jesus brings them in close enough proximity, not only for the disease in their mind, the disease to spread to them, but then Jesus reaches out and touches them. And I would imagine they hadn't been touched in so long, so I'm, I'm pulled back. Like unaware of the feeling and the sense of being touched. So Jesus would commonly do that. And so here in this, Jesus is not a magician. He's not hoping for applause. And so he pulls the guy aside and says, what do you want? And he goes to heal him and he does this fingers in the ear and touching of the tongue. And in the midst of that, healing happens. But listen, on the other side of that, he says what? Looking up to heaven. The source of his power and authority, even as Jesus, son of man, walking on earth, he gave up his rights and privileges as God to be contained here. And so he looks up to the father and basically says, father, if it's your will, if we're in agreement here, it's father and son. Ephatha, be open. It's powerful words. And then what happens? So we see all the time with Jesus. Instantly, the man could hear perfectly, and the tongue was freed so he could speak plainly. Wow. And so can you imagine? See, his friends brought him, and they wanted to see a magic show. But Jesus says, hey, come here, come here, come here. Like, I know your friends, their motivation is, yes, they want to heal you, but they want some magic. Let's just you and me have a moment. Can you imagine the first words from the tongue-tied deaf guy that he hears out of his voice? What would they have been? Can you imagine that first conversation with Jesus that he didn't even hear the words be opened? And then now the Son of Man, God the Son, is there with him and they are in conversation, intimate conversation in that moment. His friends brought him to Jesus. They even expected one thing, and Jesus provided it, but he provided it in a way different. And here's what I want you to think about. Is we, as the students of Jesus, have access to the same power. To bring our friends to Jesus, to point them out, and to say, be open. It tells us in John fourteen twelve. this is the words of Jesus. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done. So that means you can stick your fingers in the ear and no, but there can be healing. And, and I don't know why, like there's this sense, even in my own life, that there's times where, where I'm just like, hey, this person needs healing. And I'm like, God, if you can do it, do it and just kind of go on. And I I know it's probably me more than Jesus. Of do I even expect Jesus to do greater works in me than he did? And not that it's all about physical healing, but physical healing, obviously, there's something, a power that draws people to the gospel through it. And we're science for... You know, rational people, and so we struggle with some of this stuff. But if Jesus is who he says he is, then we have in his power, in him, at moments maybe we have the authority to do some things, not for our own benefit, but for the benefit of others. 
The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. That's powerful truth. The same Spirit that raised a dead man to life resides in you. So the things that you struggle with this week, you have power to overcome them. It's whether you choose to allow that power to do that or not. As Paul tells us, it's the habit of saying yes to the things of God instead of saying yes to the old habits that didn't bring life. So that power resides with inside of you. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. So here's Paul's prayer for the church at Philippi and for us. It says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. So this week, go heal people. And what that means is this. What I want you to hear is this. Begin to pray and have a conversation with the Father and begin to listen. And when those divine appointments, when those divine movings in our heart and soul and say, hey, go talk to them, go smile to them, go ask how they're doing, whatever it is. When God puts people in your path this week where you literally have to choose to go around them, pause and say, Jesus, did you bring this person or these persons into my path? into my proximity so that I can personally be involved in their story, so I can point them to be to you that you are the only solution and the power of you and who you are and what you can do in their heart and life, that the greatest healing is healing from life to death in Christ. May you heal hearts and souls of the people you bring in my path. Father, may I not walk around opportunities to serve. For my credit score is equal to everyone else that I come in contact with. That's it. God does what God does if we're available. So this week, flip the credit score. Don't worry about who applauds you. The greatest applause is not the applause of man. It's from the Father. And that one day, if we're faithful and obedient in the small things, a long obedience in the same direction gets you to where you want to go. And for us as students of Jesus, it's to sit at his feet here, but more importantly, to sit at his feet at the throne in heaven. And to say, Jesus, thank you for new life and new hope for all of eternity. So serving, even as simple as flipping a burger, Cutting some tomatoes, pulling off lettuce, makes a difference in people's lives. And, and one of the constant things from people that serve at Be the Need in particular is they say, you know what, I, I, was, I was doing tomatoes and lettuce for a long time because that was comfortable. And then one day I had to, I was pushed, literally, physically almost pushed to go to a car door and to say, hey, how many hamburgers do you need? And then once they give you the order, then say, hey. How are things going? How can I pray for you? How can we? And they're like, now I would never go back to doing tomatoes and lettuce because I have a ministry at a car window every single Monday. 
and the discomfort of that. And so the discomfort moves us to a place where we see and understand the credit score of God as the ground is all equal. That we all have struggles and things in life and it's about us, it's about us serving and in moments of greatest needs outside of the church community and inside of the church community to wash the feet of others. That the dirtiest place on our body to wash is the feet. Because that's the mode for where we get from place to place. And it's the most uncomfortable because you have to draw near to them and you get to see the scars. You get to see the paths that they've walked. And the intimacy of the moment of washing the feet. Now there's some churches that do it weekly. We're not. But the metaphor is beautiful. For us to one another wash each other's feet and to be able to say i am here for you what do you need in the mess and the mire the stench of life i am here with you to listen and to serve and to provide anointing oil where the oil of healing needs to be placed that is the christian community that is the solution i believe one of the solutions to loneliness is foot washing Don't go pulling people's shoes off. But in your heart, think, God, you've put somebody in my path this week. How can I serve them? Even Einstein, at the end of his life, he removed pictures of his mentors and the people that he thought the most highly of. And he put images of two people. Both were well-known servants. We may or may not agree with them, but one was Gandhi and one was Schweitzer. And a reporter asked, why did you remove those portraits? And he said, because the image of success has changed for me. And now I understand it's not about the applause of men or the money that I make. It's the wake of success that I leave in an image of service. And how many people I can serve for the rest of my life. For us, our greatest image is of Jesus and of sitting at his feet and saying, I want the image of service to be the model of my life. Thank you for joining us for the Cross Point Community Church podcast. It is our prayer that this message was encouraging to you as you follow Jesus. For more about Cross Point Community Church, you can find us online at crosspointchurchtx.org. Have a great week.